Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke, and I have a good episode for you today. I'm super happy with it. It is a foundational episode. What do you do with the partial cranial cruciate ligament tear? Yeah, I mean, you got you got well-defined options for when it tears. What about when it's a young dog and it partially tears? Are you doing enough? Are you being aggressive enough? Are you being too aggressive? What sort of prognosis should we give to these pet owners? What are the most important things that we can tell them right now? I get into it with my friend, Dr. David Dykus. Dr. Dykus is a boarded veterinary surgeon. He is also co-founder and co-director of the Veterinary Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Institute. He lectures all over the world. Uh, That's how I met him. I met him on the conference circuit. I just kept bumping into him and bumping into him, and I just love spending time with him. And so I asked him my orthopedic questions. He is a rock star. I hope you love it. I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Let's get into it. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Hey, welcome, welcome, David Dykus. Thanks for coming back, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. I've got, a, I've got a staple. Uh, I've got a perennial favorite of mine. I just want, just one of those check in, make sure I'm doing it right. Sort of, uh, sort of podcast for you. I've got this, um, yeah. I've got this four year old Labradoodle that is coming in. Uh, he was out playing at the dog park over the weekend, uh, and now he's holding, and, and uh, he kind of yelped and went down and then holding the leg up, you know, keeping it off the ground. And uh, But since then, it's been about four days, and he started to put the leg back down, and he's still a bit lame on it. Uh, Mom is like, hey, you know, I was worried about him tearing his cruciate, but... Uh, now that he's putting it back down, I think we're okay. And so, you know, she's come in. I'm not getting a whole lot from this dog. He's a wiggly. You know, he's a, he's a, does not like me messing with it. The joint feels swollen. You know, it's like an effusive knee joint. Um, I'm not finding wild instability in this thing. I, I don't know. Am I, um, where do I go from here? Do I just put him on an NSAID for a week and, and see what happens? I mean, like, yeah, what, what do I do from here? Yeah, you know, this is one of those things that I think we all see almost on a on a daily basis, if not multiple times a day. And uh, you know, I think the owner probably has some uh, insider information if they're worried about cruciate ligament disease because of how common it is. And I think you know, most of us need to assume that a dog's probably got some degree of cruciate ligament pathology until proven otherwise. And so, usually, what I will tell veterinarians to do is, is first off, really question the owner on the history. You know, they they recognize that four days ago he was fine and let out a yelp, and then he was limping. But if you really start to question them, you'll sometimes realize that they'll say, "Oh, you know what? About four or five months ago, you know, he he got up one morning and he, he was kind of stiff. I thought his leg was asleep, and then he walked it off, and I didn't think much of it." And you know, if you really start to question them, you might realize that there were actually some subtle changes for many months. And, you know, we all know that cruciate ligament disease is a degenerative condition. You know, we don't know why. We've looked at so many different things as to why the ligament starts to slowly weaken. And so I, my suspicion is, is that when the dog yelped on, at the dog park, it, it probably wasn't at that point when the injury occurred. It was probably Something had been going on, going on. We had weakening, weakening, weakening. And then at that point, we had exacerbation or worsening of, of, the, of a tear. And so, 
you know, when the dog comes into you, the first thing I like to do is watch them stand. You know, is the dog offloading? Meaning, are they, you know, not putting as much weight down? Um, but I'm also a big fan of sub, of getting a, as much objective information as we can get. And and the, one of the things I would encourage uh, veterinarians to do, just get a tape measure. Uh, just like if you were going to go to the tailor and they were going to measure you for a, a dress or a suit, get a tape measure. You know, measure thigh circumference. And and this is a really good thing to show owners because even though they say, you know, he's only been limping for four days. Well, you say, yeah, but he's got about three centimeters of muscle mass difference. So that tells us something's probably been brewing for a little while. So it gives you an idea to really know, is this truly, truly acute or is this something that's kind of been going on for a little while? It's super easy to do. I carry a tape measure around in, in my lab coat pocket and I measure every Every hind limb of every dog I see, just to get an idea of things. Um, I, then, I, you know, I added that to my uh, to my toolbox after uh, awesome. the last visit that you had, and like I gotta tell you, from a communication standpoint, you know, which is what I always get super fired up about. It looks fantastic. The clients. Like it is, it is, uh, you know what I mean? It's part of the presentation mm-hmm. and it's sort of like, we struggled yep. to make, we struggled to make our physical exams, uh, visible and for people to see value in what we're doing, man, you pull out the Taylor's tape and, you know, and start wrapping legs and, 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 and jotting down numbers and things. Uh, it's, it's awesome. The effect it has on them is great. And just sort of giving them something visual to be like, oh, he's really doing something. He's not just feeling my pet. Uh, you know what I mean? While we talk, there's 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 yeah. clearly some knowledge or skill at play there. And so I like the impression, the effect it has on the pet owners while I get good information that uh, that honestly, it's amazing how often you'll find two centimeters of difference between, oh, yeah. you know, between Absolutely. an adult dog's uh, thigh circumferences. Yeah. And it's not only does it, you know, show value to the owner, but it also helps you out because you can put something definitive in the exam notes. Because let's say, you know, your associate sees a dog at a follow up. Well, they can measure it as well. So we've got something to kind of go off of. So we know are we getting better. Are we not getting better kind of thing. And, um, you know, you mentioned uh, that you didn't get a lot of instability in the dog. And so, I think the other important thing is to realize that cruciate ligament disease comes in all shapes, forms, and fashions. And so I really kind of ask myself, do I have one of three scenarios or one of four scenarios? First scenario is, do I have a complete tear? Meaning probably 75% to a hundred. And, you know, the three functions of the cruciate ligament are to, you know, keep, um, you know, minimize excessive internal rotation of the tibia. Uh, prevent excessive hyperextension and to uh, minimize cranial translation of the tibia in relation to the femur or you know, tibial thrust, in other words. And so if we've got a dog with a complete tear, uh, we should be able to put the knee at a normal standing angle, so not hyperextended, not hyperflexed. Uh, and we should be able to check for two things, uh, what's called cranial drawer, which I think most of yep. us are familiar with, uh, mm-hmm. and also tibial thrust. And, uh, you know, tibial thrust is where, you know, you're, you've are you got the, the leg in a, in a semi-normal fashion that you would for cranial drawer. The difference is, is uh, the hand that would be on the tibia, you slide that down to the hock and you flex the hock while keeping the knee stable and you're looking for cranial translation of the tibia in relation to the femur. And, you know, some dogs, they come into the hospital and they're super jazzed up. They're happy or they're anxious or they're tense. And and the minute you go to put your hands on the stifle to check cranial drawer, that's a pretty abnormal way to touch a dog. They like to tense up. And then what Mm -hmm. do we do? Well, we try to overcome their tension by us gripping down tighter. And so they get tighter. 
And so a lot of times these dogs can overpower us and we can't get cranial drawer. But if we check tibial thrust, we can get that even in a tense dog. And, and it's something that takes some, uh, some practice. And so, you know, as part of your exam in every dog, I would say not only are you checking cranial drawer, but also check cranial thrust or tibial thrust. And, um, you know, let's say you check those both cranial drawer and tibial thrust with the knee and extension. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not getting anything. Well, the next thing you do is say, well, could this be an incompetent partial tear? Uh, meaning we've got about 50 to 75% of the fibers torn. Yeah. And when I give these percentages, these aren't like scientifically reported. These are like Davidisms where uh, I just kind of came up with this and I've gone with it. Nobody's, yeah, nobody's sure. told me. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, no one showed up the, the, yeah, the uh, science police haven't, haven't kicked in the door. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, and in this scenario, I put the knee in, in, uh, not hyperflexion, but I put them in a more flex position and I check cranial drawer and tibial thrust again. Uh, and in dogs with an incompetent partial tear, you'll get tibial thrust or cranial drawer with the knee inflection. Um, if I don't get uh, cranial drawer tibial thrust with the knee inflection, then I say, well, could this be a competent partial tear? Meaning there is probably less than 50% of the fibers torn. So from there, I, I put the knee in hyperextension. Okay. And a lot of those dogs will be very, very uncomfortable. They'll react, they'll squirm, they'll cry out. Uh, and so checking hyperextension is, is the last thing I do. Uh, but, you know, anytime you, you get a dog with a, with a high limb lameness like that, in particular, if you're getting uh, atrophy on your muscle mass measurements and, uh, you know, you're, you're filling or palpating effusion, you got to take radiographs. And, and I know everybody says, well, you can't diagnose a cruciate ligament tear on a radiograph. And I absolutely agree. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. But you need to look for two key findings. You know, number one, is there truly effusion in the stifle? Yep. And number two, is there degenerative changes? Because it's not uncommon at all if something's been brewing for a while that there is going to be some degenerative changes. And so pay particular attention for looking at little osteophytes off the distal pole of the patella or yeah. off the, tro uh, the proximal aspect of the trochlear groove. You'll start to see some subtle changes. So I'm just um, looking for a little, but, like the little... Uh, we call them you know, like uh, the bones bony projections that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely what you're looking for. The biggest thing is effusion. And I would go as far as to say, let's say that dog came in to see you and, he, and he's got a right hind limb lameness. Well, take radiographs of the left stifle. Uh, and the reasoning for that is what if there's effusion in the left stifle? Well, we all know there's a high incidence of bilateral disease. You know, if a dog has damage to the cruciate ligament in one knee, there's a 50 to 60% chance they're going to have damage to the cruciate ligament in the other knee at some point in time. About 40% of dogs that come in that have a lameness on one already have underlying cruciate ligament pathology in the contralateral knee. And if you're seeing effusion or arthritic changes in the good leg, that can take that 50 to 60% risk factor, put it higher to like 75, 80%. Yeah. And so um, the the last thing too is is you know, if you're not getting instability on the awake exam, sedate the dog and do a sedated exam. So once the muscles have relaxed, that'll really let you get your hands in there and palpate the dog. But also if there's effusion on the radiograph and you're not convinced it's cruciate ligament pathology, then that also gives you the opportunity to tap the stifle, grab a little bit of joint fluid uh, and send that off to the pathologist for fluid analysis and, um, you know, for them to look at the cell counts and say, you know, is this a non-degenerative uh, uh, inflammatory change where I might be dealing with a, a tick-borne disease or I might be dealing with an immune-mediated issue? Those things are probably unlikely. 
Um, or is this more of a degenerative inflammatory change where I'm dealing with, uh, you know, evidence of cruciate ligament pathology? The, the, the big question. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say no, something? I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let me stop you here for a second. I, I'm going to yeah. be real honest. The idea of tapping the stifle gives me uh, anxiety. Um, <laughs> should it? Should it give me anxiety? Should I? I mean, I'm, no. I'm just being totally honest. And I know no. this like, like, oh, we yeah. tap it. I mean, I just, I don't know why. When you said that, I was like, I really don't want to do that. So I really don't want to do that. So, so why well, don't, you know, sure why I don't want to do it? Is, is there anything for me to be concerned about here? So, you know, number one, if you really don't want to do it, if it gives you the hibby-jibbies, then, you know, you can always send the dog to the, you know, refer the dog to, to the surgeon. Um, but, you know, tapping a joint is not not difficult. I, I think the problem is in, in veterinary school, um, when we were on our small animal rotations, there probably weren't a lot of dogs uh, getting joint injections or tapping joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were on the equine rotation, they were injecting horses' joints all the time. The problem is, is they made us all stand at the other end of the barn because they were worried about the joint getting infected. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, my, my concern is I'm going to stick a needle into this dog's knee, and seven days later, it's going to explode in flame, you know, uh, and, 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 and smoke, and, and just it's going to be like a, a five-alarm fire in this dog's knee because I poked it. <laughs> Well, the great thing about dogs' joints, and to date, uh, there has never been a documented case of a septic arthritis secondary to an intraarticular injection or a joint tap. Um, you know, the, the joint of dogs is pretty resistant to getting infected. And, and I think the, chi- the, the concern of getting a joint infected by tapping it or injecting something into it is is probably a very moot point um now we need to be clean uh obviously we need to uh clean the area that we're going to uh either uh, that we're going to get our sample from we used to always say we got to shave the hair there was actually a recent study that just came out this uh recent month in veterinary surgery that was looking at do we really need to shave the hair when we do a joint injection and and actually it came out to being that no you don't really have to shave the hair um, to do a joint injection or, or to tap the joint. You just need to clean up the area, prep it up, and then put on some sterile gloves and then be clean. You know, don't yeah. don't have a poop sample sitting next to you that you're, you know, grabbing your syringe nearby from, but, you know, just keep it clean. And, uh, you know, the, the landmarks are, are pretty easy. You know, if the dog's sedated, you're just going to palpate either, either side of the patellar ligament and uh, assistant's going to kind of hold the knee for you. And then you're just going to direct your needle in, um, you know, nice and slow. And uh, if you hit bone, you're just going to back up and redirect just a little bit to, to pop into the, the joint. And so a, a joint tap is, is really not a difficult procedure. It's not something you have to have specialized training for. It's, it's absolutely something that general practitioners can do every day in practice. Um, you know, it, it does take a little bit of, of a learning experience, but uh, once you do it a few times, you'll, you'll get the hang of it super, super quick. Um, but, you know, the, the big question that, that, then people have is, especially the owners is, well, if you didn't get a lot of instability, you know, do we just treat this conservatively or should right, we yeah. be aggressive? Mom's going to be like, we can we just, yeah, can we, can we just wrap it up? Uh, and <laughs> let, yeah, I, I sprang my ankle and they, they gave me a neoprene sleeve and it was great. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, well, let me do that. That, that may come up. Uh, Chewy.com yeah. is definitely pitching some neoprene sleeves. <laughs> what, uh, what, what is your, what, what should I say to her? So I, I think um, in the situations where I have a conservative talk with the owners or in the cases where dogs have to me what's a called a, a competent partial tear, where they don't have any instability, 
they do have effusion on radiographs, and they do have pain on hyperextension. In those scenarios, I'll tell the owner, we can try a conservative approach to see if they're going to get better. But don't be surprised if either at the end of this conservative approach period, they're not any better, or at some point in the future, if the issue arises again. Uh, Because the fact of the matter is it's a degenerative condition. And the statistical probability is very high that a dog is going to, over time, progress from partial, partial, partial to complete tear. The problem with that ongoing is that there's a continuous inflammatory change going on in the stifle, and it precipitates ongoing and worsening arthritic changes in the knee. Now, granted, I'm a surgeon, um, and I love to do surgery, um, but... I tend to be very, very aggressive in dogs that I think have partial tears. For me, I would rather uh, scope a knee, confirm that there's a partial tear, and do a surgical procedure on that knee rather than waiting on it to become a complete tear. You know, my own personal dog, uh, she had um, a little bit of offloading, a little bit of stiffness in the morning. I took her into work with me. She had effusion in her knee. Even under sedation, she had no instability. Uh, but I still, I, I was like, you know, we're not going to deal with this long term. I stuck a scope in her knee. She had uh, probably about a 30, 40% tear. And I uh, did a TPLO on her um, to help protect those remaining fibers from tearing uh, and just try to slow down and minimize progression of arthritic changes. So I think, you know, the, the heart to heart with the owner needs to be that, yeah, for a dog with a competent partial tear, we could try a conservative approach. What does that mean? Well, we rest. uh, And that rest period is probably about six, eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also need to probably think about formal physical therapy uh, because resting is helpful, but a a rehabilitation approach coming in once weekly to see the physical therapist with our daily at home uh, homework to do uh, is probably that missing tool that we've been uh, underutilizing in these patients. So that way we can give them the best chance possible of having a successful outcome if we manage it conservatively. Because, you know, a lot of these dogs, if if they're just at home resting, that's great. But then the minute they go back to activity, the tissues aren't conditioned for that. And they have a setback or they don't get any better. And then uh, if I've got a dog that's got an instability consistent with a complete tear, instability consistent with an incompetent partial tear, I'm usually going to really push for surgical intervention in those dogs uh, and let the owners know that I I understand if you can't afford surgery or you don't want to have your dog undergo surgery, but here's what we need to expect long term. And, and, you know, we would expect there to be continued muscle atrophy. Um, The more concerning fact for me is the develop is the continued worsening development of arthritic changes, but also the potential for a meniscal tear. And that's mm-hmm. usually the game changer between a dog that's stiff and sore but able to have a good quality of life versus a dog that's you know mostly non-weight bearing because meniscal tears are more painful than cruciate ligament tears. And the problem is is a dog with a uh, cruciate ligament instability is at upwards of about a 70% risk factor for tearing their meniscus. And so the other reason for being aggressive on a surgical standpoint is to minimize chances of meniscal tears because we can take that 70% chance and we can drop it down less than 4%. So, yeah. uh, you know, granted I'm a surgeon, but I, I still think cruciate ligament disease, we need to be pretty uh, aggressive with. Cool. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate your time. This is a conversation I have all the time. So this is uh, so, so useful. Where, uh, where can people find you online, David? Where can they learn more about what you do? 
Absolutely. So my uh, professional Facebook page is uh, Dr. David Dykus. My Instagram is ortho underscore vet. So ortho vet. Uh, and then if uh, people have case questions or want to run radiographs or something by me, they can absolutely email me. My email's is uh, at nexusvet.com. So that's D-D-Y-C-U-S at nexus, N-E-X-U-S vet.com. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, man. We'll put links to everything uh, down in the show notes. Guys, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you very soon. And that's what we got. That is uh, the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Dr. Dykus is amazing. I always appreciate that he comes and uh, and shares his knowledge and wisdom. If you like this episode, if you got something out of it, please just share it with your friends. That's all I ask. That's all I want. Just uh, just help us get the word out. If you're like, I don't have any friends, or my friends are not going to listen to the podcast, then you can uh, spite them by going to iTunes and writing an honest review of the podcast, because then you're helping me share it with other people, and your friends don't have to be involved, and they, they don't deserve you anyway. You're not appreciated, and you should be. I appreciate you. Come write a review of my podcast. All right, that's it. That's enough. Have a wonderful day. Go save some lives. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Bye-bye.